Radio. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens? Then you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of Dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Joe Madden wants his team to play by the old school rules. I get it. He's an old school guy. But when rules change, you're supposed to follow them. And Major League Baseball has come out today and said that Rizzo's slide was a bad one. He should have been out. Should have been out at home. Or pardon me, at first base. And it's not a good play. Joe Madden says that he talked to Joe Torrey, who is even more of a fossil than Joe Madden. And they had a disagreement. Joe Torrey works for Major League Baseball. Joe Torrey is one of the guys who's handing down the decision. And if Joe Torrey says that something is not within the rules, if Joe Torrey says that something that was old school baseball is now over the line, I'm going to go with that. I am. It's like if Don Cherry says that Tom Wilson's hits dirty. If he says it's not, you're not surprised. If he says it's dirty, you know damn well it's dirty. If Joe Torrey says that's not a good slide, then you know damn well it's not a good slide. When Joe Torrey says that there was not intent to injure there, but could have been injury because he's not trying to make contact with the plate, he's only trying to make contact with the shins of Diaz, then you know that that's exactly what he's trying to do. Joe Madden said, quote, That's how you should teach your kids to slide and break up a double play. The catcher's got a clear path. You have to teach the proper technique. He's got to get out farther. He's got to keep his foot on the plate clear because that's absolutely what can happen. It's a weird way to say it. And you know why? Because it happened to me. And I have truncated the quote, but I think you get the gist by... Joe, you have to evolve, man. You have to. It didn't cost the Cubs, but the next time, because of the way he manages, it will cost the Cubs, because now they're going to pay better attention to it in the league. It's a hard-nosed baseball play. It was for 100 years. It's still a hard-nosed baseball play, but it just crossed the line. I've never thought it was dirty. I never thought it was malicious. And by malicious, I mean there was never intent to injure. The intent by Rizzo was to break up the double play, but that intent is illegal. He left the path. He sure could have touched the base, but he changed the angle of his body in order to make sure he took out Elias Diaz. It's one thing if it's a bang-bang play and the throw brings Diaz into the plate. That wasn't the case. It's one thing if Diaz is blocking the plate. That wasn't the case. It's a whole other thing when Rizzo changes his path, makes it harder for himself to get to the plate, and then takes out Diaz's knees and ankles in the process. Instead of making the priority getting to the base, he made the priority knocking out the legs of the catcher. It's a chicken bleep move defended by a chicken bleep manager who hasn't evolved ever. Joe Madden called that slide that wound up injuring Zheng Ho Gung. He called that clean, and he said the result of the play is plantar fasciitis. He's an ass. He's a clown. A lot of managers in ball are old school, no more so than Joe Torre was. And they'll say, you have to play the game this way or that way. But that was the old way the game was played. And if Joe Torre can change, so can you, Joe Madden. 
The game has changed. The rules have changed. And he manages and speaks the game like it's still played 100 years ago. Man, you got to protect each other. Rizzo didn't because his manager still teaches the old ways of ball. And now because the league didn't protect the Pirates enough by suspending Rizzo, and the league didn't do anything at the there and now ruling the opposite way, the Pirates are going to have to take it into their own hands. Now, the Pirates do have a built-in excuse at this point. If they don't throw at Rizzo, they'll say it's because the league did the talking for us. But they need to throw at this guy. Joe Cora, David Freeze got into it in the dugout. I'm only speculating here, but I would speculate that they did so because they aren't happy with one another because one of them wanted Rizzo to get hit, one of them didn't want Rizzo to get hit. I hate eye for an eye. But the Pirates need to send a message that this kind of stuff can't keep happening to them. Whether it's an actual deterrent or not, who knows? Beaning Rizzo might just lead to another Pirate getting beaned, and then you've got all hell breaking loose. But the Pirates can't just be wusses. You know what word I want to say? The Pirates just can't be babies and let this kind of stuff happen to them. They need to stand up and say that they won't tolerate it. Tonight, the Pirates need to put one in the small of Rizzo's back. And if the league won't do anything beyond the statements, and Madden thinks this is part of the game, then the Pirates need to show that they disagree. Period. Will Graves of the AP. Yeah, baby. Going to be joining us in about 13 minutes to discuss that. And Tom Wilson being a reckless piece of crap. A lot of douchebags rolling around today. Tom for disagreeing with me. Anthony Rizzo for taking out the legs of a young backup catcher in this league. And Tom Wilson for leaving his position to lay that hit on Jonathan March. So last night's game was great. If you weren't watching the NBA and you were watching that game, you would not have been disappointed. From the start of the game on, hell, from the beginning of the proceedings on, it was awesome theater. That Vegas opening scene is cheesy as all get out. I mean, it is cringeworthy. It makes me laugh. It makes me want to cry, too. But it's entertaining, and it's Vegas. It's Vegas. Be Vegas. Be yourself, man. Do what you do, Vegas. Bring that 28 rating in. You do you. It was awesome from the proceedings prior to the game until the game was over. There was frantic energy. Goal scorers on both teams. Chances on both teams. Goaltenders flopping and making some saves but not making all of the saves, which to me makes it more entertaining. In fact, it was so entertaining that I saw a lot of people who don't watch hockey tweeting about hockey. A lot of the people who would be later on tweeting about the NBA were tweeting about this game because of Vegas. And it was awesome. It was badass. But because so many new viewers were watching, and all around the country the ratings prove a lot of new people are watching, they had to see Tom Wilson be Tom Wilson. They got to see the best parts of the National Hockey League in last night's game, and they got to see the worst parts of the National Hockey League in last night's game. It was a teeny-weeny, tiny little problem by the name of Tom friggin' Wilson hitting Jonathan Marcher, so who never saw him coming. And that's because the puck had been off his stick for a second and a half. Tom Wilson said it was good, clean playoff hockey. Wilson doesn't know what the line is. Why does every quote of mine sound like a colossal dumbass? Joe Madden. I'm Joe Madden. 
Probably because you're quoting colossal dumbasses. Oh, that was it. Tom Wilson. I did not know that that was dirty. I don't even know what that is. It sounds like Barney. Wilson does not know what the line is. For any Washington apologists who were sticking up for Wilson before, we good now? We set? When Wilson and his teammates defended him the last time, most of the hockey world knew the hit on Zach Aston Reese to be bad, but they rallied around their guy, and TJ Oshie flipped his lid. Rallying around him now shows that they don't have a clue. Under no circumstances is that not a dirty play. This is far more dirty than what Anthony Rizzo did. If you want to parse it that way, it's far more dirty because it's against the rules, and the intent wasn't to just lay a body check. The intent wasn't to separate him from the puck. The intent wasn't to attempt to get the puck across the goal line. No, the intent was too injured. It was trash, just like Tom Wilson is. And defending him is comparable of defending a guy like Matt Cook. Cook could play, so can Wilson. Cook had some scoring touch. Wilson really doesn't. But both guys were valuable teammates. Tom Wilson's got 35 goals in 448 games. Yeah, people are going to stick up for that ass clown. He's had one season of double-digit goals. Cook had 10 seasons of double-digit goals. But even though Cook could play the game, he tried to mess people up. Tom Wilson does the same thing. He said it was tenths of a second between the puck being let go and him getting over there. He talked after the game about how March so couldn't stop admiring his pass. This dude was suspended, and he didn't learn. Three times. And he still thinks the league and his reputation's out to get him. Hey, you wanker. You have a reputation for a reason, period. Last thing here on Tom Wilson in the narrative of Ryan Reeves being deterrent before we get to our friend Willie Graves. It just was never the case, and it's not the case now. A small faction of Penguins fans said that Tom Wilson would not have taken out Zach Aston Reese if Reese if Reeves, pardon me, was still in Pittsburgh. Steige was on with Stan last week, and he said that Reeves would have made Wilson think twice about hitting Dumo and Aston Reese. Well, it looks like that old narrative can finally die. I don't believe in tough guys being deterrents. Alexiak tried to fight Wilson. Wilson said, nah, I'm good, thanks. Plus, Reeves wouldn't have been playing anyhow because the Penguins didn't think he fit the system. Reeves didn't scare Wilson not enough to not kill Marchessault so last night, though, did he? No. The Pens fans who were peddling that nonsense narrative that Reeves would stop the violence, at one point, though, I think did realize they were wrong last night. So instead of saying, oh, the Penguins made a mistake moving Reeves because they needed a deterrent, their narrative is now they made a mistake moving Reeves because Reeves has added punch to that fourth line. That's where the Pens screwed up. Not because they got rid of an enforcer. I had a bunch of mentions on Twitter.com. So did Tim Benz. Ryan Reeves and the Vegas Golden Knights' fourth line was good last night. In fact, they were excellent. But that shouldn't make you think it was a bad idea to trade Derek Broussard because it wasn't. Reeves had six goals in 86 games this year. He played less than any player on Vegas in Game 5 against Winnipeg. He's not the difference in the Penguins being here or not. He doesn't score. He's lucky he didn't get called for a cross-check on his only goal in this game. 540 games, 33 goals in his career, Ryan Reeves. So I think the Penguins did the right thing. Okay, I lied. One more thing on last night's hockey game. I've heard some, and mainly Capitals fans, bitching and moaning about how everyone's complaining about the Wilson hit and that nobody's giving credit 
or saying that the Ryan Reeves cross check should be take should have taken a goal away. Well, here's the thing. In sports, I can live with a call leading to a goal or a call taking a goal off the board. That happens all the time. It happened with the Penguins against the Capitals in that series. Game number, what was it, two, Penguins scored a goal, they took it away. It happens. It pissed me off, but it happens. What I don't want to see, though, is a league miss a headshot. What I don't want to see is a league miss a guy trying to maim players. What I'd rather see is Ryan Reeves' cross-check not get called ever in the hit that we saw Tom Wilson put down on Marchessault last night get penalized every single time. Touchdowns get taken off the board. It happened in Pittsburgh. It happens. It's happened in Seattle when the replacement refs were there. It happens all the time. Mistakes will be made when you are interpreting a rule book. But I don't want to see headshots continue to mount in this game without repercussions. That's why they're not the same to me. Ryan Reeves isn't going to hurt anybody by cross-checking him in the back. It's just not going to happen. He's just stronger than Carlson. If Wilson does that again tomorrow night, someone could wind up in a stretcher. League's got to do something about that. The Reeves thing, clean it up. But that's going to happen again, and we're all just going to have to live with it. Coming up next, Will Graves of the Associated Press. He had to push us back because of a schedule conflict. Talking to Joe Madden and those Chicago Cubs. What they have to say, he'll tell us next. Crowley Show. Major League Baseball said they got it wrong yesterday. What does Will Graves from the AP say? And what have the Cubs been saying as he's been at PNC Park? Will, hello. What's been going on down there? Well, first of all, props for the Lupe Fiasco bump music. Damn right. So, good job, Lamar Teaser, whoever put that together. Um, and basically, it depends on who you ask. You know, uh, the Cubs, Joe Madden, and, and doubled down today defending this player, saying he still believes it was, uh, it was perfectly legal. And... You know, Clint Hurdle felt vindicated because baseball said, yeah, we kind of screwed that up yesterday. So uh, it's, I don't know, it's very NHL-esque. Yeah, esque, you know what I mean? It's, it's almost like they borrowed a page from uh, the Garage League and was like, you know, let's, let's see if we can screw this. How badly can we screw this up? But I think, I think part of the biggest issue is just that, and I asked Rizzo this, you know, do you believe that you had clarity on the rule before yesterday? He said, I don't think anybody has clarity on the rule, uh, and that's pretty obvious. So good job by you, MLB. And you think that Rizzo should not have done what he did? I think it was avoidable. Yes. Um, He says he tried to to treat it like if that was a play that happened at second base, then it wouldn't have been called. He said he thinks there was more, the word he used was sensitivity, because it was a round home plate, and obviously there has been an you know, a movement in the last three or four years to have the Buster Posey rule and, and do a better job of protecting catchers in a vulnerable position. Um, and that part, he's right. I mean, if that was a play at second base, then I then I think that there's nothing happens. But it's it, in the you know in the spirit of the rule. If the rule is, you know, he initiated contact with the slide. That's a takeout slide, and I thought we weren't supposed to do that anymore. So. 
I tend to believe, I tend to be on Clint Hurdle's side on this just because I think it's, you know, an unnecessary play. Speaking of an unnecessary play, we'll move on to hockey because, as Lupe Fiasco says, the show goes on. Uh, Will, Tom Wilson's just going to keep doing Tom Wilson things. What stinks is that, man, they've got new viewers now. Uh, The ratings are up because they brought in the Vegas market, and now you've got them witnessing that in the midst of a great hockey game. And it's one of the things we've talked about a lot today. Uh, instead of that great hockey game. And that sucks. It, it was fabulous. That was a hell of a game to watch. But instead, I find myself talking about that clown running around like a jackass. But the league gets what it deserves, right? It does. I mean, you know, the, the reason that Zach Aston Reese might still be eating his meals through a straw is because they failed to penalize Wilson for his hit on Dumoulin in game one of the, of the Penn series. And obviously... Three games for, for breaking Czar's jaw did not do enough to effectively deter him from doing Tom Wilson things. So uh, I, I think if you want to be taken seriously as a league, and I'm not sure based on like the pregame opening last night, I'm not sure it Wait does. a second, no. Wait a second, no. You're not one of the people who's down on the opening, are you? Dude, it was, it was I mean, I get it's Vegas, but this is supposed to be like, the, don't they like the bring out the cup and call it like the most hallowed, cherished and hallowed thing in sports. And it's, you know, it's a hundred and however many years old and all this other crap. And, and you turn it into a medieval times five thirty show. I'm sorry, man. I mean, well, didn't, didn't Tom Wilson make it a medieval show going old school hockey? And, during and the maybe, game? Right. And maybe you get what you deserve in, in, in that point. I mean, I, I just thought it was, like, I'm all for laser shows. I just thought that was corny as hell. It was I just, corny. I, just, I really do. It was corny, but so are my cheese teases. Do you hate the cheese teases? <laughs> no, but, they, but, I mean, you, you, you know, you're not trying to walk around saying that you're the, you know, this bastion of uh, history that's sort of, I mean, you're uh, this is sort of your lane, right? And I just think the NHL <laughs> likes to put the cup in its own lane. It's this great sacred thing, and, and here's our intro. Here's our intro on national television with 5.72 million, by the way, still less than 2% of the U.S. population watching this thing. And that's how you come in. I mean, I just say it's sort of like it, it's how do I put this properly? It's Trumpian. It's like it's like the way Donald Trump would is going to hold his 2020 presidential ball. Right. That, that's what it's going to be. It's just sort of like here you have this hallowed office and then you got a clown, you know, a clown show. So I just thought it was corny. I decided I just thought it was I thought it was corny. It was corny, and I loved it. Will Graves from the Associated Press joining me here on the Crowley Show. You're going to make me cry, dude, but we'll move past it. Uh, we'll be okay. Uh, I'll find around my way. Another Lupe Fiasco. Uh, Will, this is the question that has torn me and producer Tom and really Brian apart today, uh, and I need you to weigh in. It's kind of vague and ambiguous, but that's okay. That's what you're good at, although it is sports-related. Is a playoff series automatically good if it goes seven games? No. Yeah. Woo. Yes. Woo. Is, is, it, is it competitive? I mean, sort of. Uh, but I mean, I, I would, you know, think about like the the 1960 World Series, oh. right? I mean, the Pirates got it handed to them three times, handed to them, and then they, they, they in the four games they won, the games were pretty much all tight. I mean, I, I and everybody remembers the ending. That being said, I mean, I don't think there was a genuine – I watched game, both Game 7s in the NBA, and, I mean, it was 
not great. I yeah. mean, it was great theater because of LeBron, but I mean, there were. I mean, all the game, all the games were basically blowouts. I think the, the Golden State series had one game decided by less than ten. So no, I don't. I don't think it automatically qualifies. I think Game Seven, a Game Seven itself, could sort of, if it's a great Game Seven, can sort of make it that way. But no, I think you got to take each game on its own merits, and if all the individual games suck. Well, then that's not a great series. What if every game is good and then Game 7 sucks like the 2009 Penguins Capitals series? I think that's okay. I, I think it, you know, there were so many great, I mean, you're talking about double hat tricks and whatever it was. Game 2, the Caps winning in, on the road in Game 6 to get to Game 7. I think that's enough. There's enough quality there. I, I don't think Game 7 determines whether a series is great or not. Uh, that being said, you know, I, I think... It's a series. You're not supposed to remember it for like one necessary moment. I think it's great series are ones where all the games are competitive. So, so no. Although I just sort of contradicted myself there. But no, you didn't. Don't whatever. worry about that. It, Tom, <laughs> Tom definitely didn't notice it, uh, and uh, neither did I. So we're going to move on. Will Graves, Associated <laughs> Press, joining me here on the Crowley Show. Is it good for the NBA to have the same final for the four finals for four years in a row? Um, I think the ratings will be okay. Uh, Are you as interested sort of, this time as you would have been last year or before that? Yeah, I mean, I think LeBron makes it compelling. I mean, just because he's playing at such an absurd level. I mean, I, I fully expect, and I think everybody does, for Golden State to win the series relatively easily. I mean, I think the games might be close. Oh, no, no. Oh, that ain't happening. That Golden State sort of picks and chooses when it wants to play. Yes. You know, I mean, and I think when and they decide, like, you know, like, well, let's screw around. for Like the Penguins in the regular season this year, they kind of, they played hard enough for like a month and a half. They got in the playoffs and they felt they could turn it on. I think Golden State is sort of in that same vein this year. And, you know, they were, if Chris Paul plays last night, they probably lose. But they figured, well, we only really got to play good for about 18 minutes to win this series. And that's what they did. Which means so. it's not a good series. Will Graves joining us here on the Crowley Show. Uh, as far as LeBron James and what my he, kid hates LeBron, by the way, and I can't, I, I, I feel like I failed as a parent. You're a big LeBron guy. I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for LeBron and the effort that he, you know, the effort that he puts forth on a nightly basis. He never ever mails it in. I mean, he might mail it in a couple times during the regular season, but not this year. He played what eighty-two for what the second time in his career. I mean, I just have a, have a lot of respect. I mean, I, I would certainly open the door for is he a better all-around basketball player than Jordan, which is something I didn't think I would say like five to six years ago. But I just, I mean, Jordan. It was a different time. I mean, that was right in my wheelhouse when I was just an NBA nut. I mean, the guy is tremendous, but Le- what LeBron has done is just, and, and, you know, he doesn't get in trouble off the field. He's a social activist. He's, you know, he's, seen, he's a good dude. I mean, it's, you know, I, first time I met him, he, I was in Florida, his rookie season, he came to, they played the Heat like maybe week two of the season. He's 18 years old. There's a big thing. And, you know, he comes out. He's 18 years old, 18 year old LeBron. And he was as composed and as, you know, mature as you. I mean, it, it's staggering to think, think of all the weight that was on his shoulders at that time. 
and the fact that he's carried this burden for 15 years, and there's no gambling on the side. There, I mean, there might be side chicks, but we don't hear about it. He carries it. There are no run-ins with the law. When he finds way to be, ways to be socially active without offending white America, you know? So I just think it's, I have just crazy, crazy respect for LeBron. What about his hairline, though? Pretty, uh, pretty overrated. Yeah, you know what? I mean, I, you know, you, you can afford it. My hairline ain't the greatest either. So, and he can afford to have it. It sort of comes and goes. That's the weird part. It's like Jeremy <laughs> Tibbins, where it just sort of like depends on the, you know, what his what he wants to what he wants to do on a given day. I mean, it, it is a moving target, but I mean, who cares? He could just he could he literally just staple like million dollar bills to his forehead, and he'd be fine. I mean, the guy's. No, I'm not worried about LeBron's hairline. Back to hockey real quick. The best thing that the league could have happening to it is happening to it right now, yes? In what sense? And now they've got a whole new market that's fallen in love with the sport because the team's good. And if the team was bad for two decades like it was in Columbus, well, they might have just added a market and they made the money. But after that, they would have had just a dead market floating there in the middle of the desert. Well, trust me, I, I think the people in Seattle, and I saw that he sort of kicked the can down the road in terms of adding a team in 19. But trust me, if, if Vegas wins the Cup, the cost of the, that franchise tag is just you know going to go up. Vegas paid, what, $500 million to get in the league? Seattle's going to p- play way more than that because the NHL can go to them and say, hey, we can set up the rules for you to be competitive immediately. Look what we did for Vegas. So, yeah, from a business standpoint, I, Vegas making the finals – is making you know, is making all the other thirty owners in the league a lot of money. Will appreciate your time, buddy. I thought you were going to disagree with me, and that would have made the segment better. Uh, but we're just Sorry. Much, we're just too much alike. We love each other. That's what it is. We do love each other. Oh I'll man, I'm so happy you said that because I thought I prematurely dropped the word. See you, buddy. Bye. Hmm, pretty quick to leave after the L words dropped. Their graves. Got this tweet from Nick. The Eastern Conference Final last year was trash. Penguins-Ottawa? Game 1 went to overtime. Oh, now I have to remember all this crap. But there were a lot of blowouts in that series before Game 7. Good series, Tom? Great series? It was a great series. Game 7 went to double overtime. <laughs> That's remembered. The rest of the series stunk. No, it didn't. Yes, it did. No, it didn't. You yes, know it why did. it didn't stink? Because it went seven games. Yeah. Which means that... Before that Game 7, both of those teams won an equal amount of games against each other, meaning that it was a pretty even and pretty good series. Does that mean that every game has to be even? What are you talking about? You said it's a pretty even game, a pretty even series. It's a pretty even series, because they each won the same amount of games getting to the Game 7 yes. against the other team. Yes, Tom, but on a given night, was that game more entertaining than what you could have found on a different television station probably not oh, there's not lose. much there's it's not much not sports out series. there i can't turn them off well i can hit this button and send us to break though the hottest yeah. take of the day next crowley show Is a playoff series automatically good if it goes seven games? 62% of the people voting say no. 62% of the people are right. And Tom and Brian and the other 38% are wrong. Wait. 
Correct. <laughs> yeah, that worked. I think so. Except for the wrong part. Well, that's your opinion, Brian. Yeah. Got a lot of people chiming in on it, though. And the Menchies, too. We have John Ledger on from time to time. He's an NFL draft guy. He says, yeah, we've had series where almost no games were close, but it went seven. That makes for a bad series. Nick says Eastern Conference Final last year was trash, even though it went seven games. Pens in Ottawa. Jack says to me, yes, because I enjoy the heartbreak and chaos a lot more. Thank God one of those guys has sense. I don't even know what he's talking about, though. There could be chaos whenever a series is close in every single game. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for perfection. Or at least closer to perfection. Not two games out of seven, like the Western Conference Finals and the National Basketball Association not making it to double digits by the end. The lead, that is. Ratings are up huge. They are. How do you explain that one? People are getting suckered in, man. Oh, that's it. They, no, that's exactly it. Oh, it's going to be different this year. It's not. It might not be LeBron. It might not. It was always going to be LeBron. Oh, it might not be Golden State. Look at how close Houston got. They're so close. They could beat them. And they didn't. They didn't. It's the same thing. It's the same thing for the fourth year in a row, and people are telling us that it's different, but it's not. There's a challenger this year. There haven't been challengers. Okay. 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 People like the NBA. They do. It's personal preference. You like the sport, you like the sport. I like basketball. I'm entertained by the NBA. I was very excited about Game 7. But the anticipation for a Game 7 does not make up for a bad Game 7 for me. I can be excited for two days about a Game 7, and that's fine. That's excellent. Great. I can't wait. It's awesome. Let's go. Woo! But if the Game 7's bad, then it was... It was all that for nothing. It's like you finally get that girl in college to find out she's got a huge mole down there. Oh, wait. That's not a mole. It's highly disappointing. The anticipation is great, and maybe, Tom, that's what makes it a great series for you because there is this anticipation. But for me, the games need to be good, not just the tie between the games. It's time. I wonder what this could be about for the hottest take of the day. It's time for the hottest take of the day. <laughs> I love drama, and I love stars. And the NBA's only giving me half of the package. I'm not a sports shamer. If you're into soccer, good for you. If you're into golf or frawl for curling or grease pig chasing or sticking a thumb up your buddy's butt, I don't care. It's a sport. Trust me on that one. I won't tell you what to watch and what not to watch. But the NBA has not been doing it for me these playoffs. In the Warriors series, here was the final score discrepancy in every game. 13, 22, 41, 3 and 4. Yeah! 19 and 9. The average difference in the games was 16 points. Only two close games in the bunch. In the Cleveland series, 25, 13, 30, 9, 13, 10 and 8. The average difference in those games was 15.4, almost the same as the Western Conference Finals. Ooh. Gross. That's ass. And in fact, if you want to change the parameters and make it about single digits, one, two, three, four, five, five out of 14 games. That's it. That's ass. Now, LeBron makes me want to watch basketball games. So does Steph Curry. 
Paul, Harden, Durant, Clay, Green, Ariza, Love. A lot of good basketball players there. But it didn't add up to a lot of good games. I watched because I liked the NBA. I watched because I liked basketball. I watched because both series went seven, but they went seven in anticlimactic fashion. Everyone that has sense should have known that Golden State was going to come back in last night's game. Everyone. They did it the game before. They were the better team. Houston did not have Chris Paul. And while that was exciting, the outcome was determined far before the game reached the final few minutes. I think the Stanley Cup playoffs have been far better to watch this year. And I'm a hockey guy first and foremost. I'll admit that. But these playoffs haven't given you much in the way of drama. They just haven't. LeBron and Steph getting pushed to seven means that I'll watch. And it means that a lot of people will watch. But how many people turned their TVs off late in Game 7 in the Western Conference Final? Less people, I'm sure, turned off in Game 7 between LeBron and the Celtics. But the series itself wasn't fabulous. 25, 30, 13, 13, 10. Ew! I'm a junkie. I'm addicted to drama in sports. And the NBA hasn't provided enough. This just in, starting Thursday... It'll be the first time that the Warriors and Cavs have met in the NBA Finals since 2017. It's only their fourth meeting since 2015. All that being said, the outcome was pretty close to being predetermined. And the games that are deciding it aren't close. What makes it worth watching then? The stars? Okay, you got me there. I'm in for the stars. But for me, that's only half the equation. That's the hottest take of the day. Woo! Other crap. Kim Jong-un reportedly made 27 three-pointers in a row in a friendly game. The Rockets missed 27 in a row in their game. Woo! Other crap. Damn it, there's a joke there about Kim Jong-un shooting Rockets. Woo! Other crap. Danica Patrick crashed during lap 68 of the race. Patrick lost control and hit the outer wall before sliding across the track. Damn it! We almost got a 69 out of Danica. Woo! Other crap. A high school football player who takes cannabis oil to prevent his seizures has been ruled ineligible to play in college. Why keep him out of college football? He's already been to a bowl. Woo! Other crap. Jack Nicholas says Tiger Woods... Needs to learn how to win again. Duh. Nice joke. You sound like Jack Nicholson. Woo! Other crap. What? (laughs) Woo! Other crap. Jets players are grateful for their CEO's backing on the anthem. Yeah, I'm just expecting him to take off. Woo! Other crap. What? Woo! Other crap. Brandon Marshall has signed a one-year deal to play with the Seattle Seahawks. (laughs) 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 Woo! Other crap. (laughs) Seahawks. (laughs) Brandon Marshall. (laughs) Woo! Other crap. It's funny because he's old and bad. Woo! 
other crap. It's been 446 days since Pitt basketball won a conference game. Who was that face, Tom? Has it been? Yes. 446? Pretty sure. Okay. As according to me, I'm pretty trustworthy. I'm all about the facts here on the show. It's time for the three stars of that show. Third star. Tonight's third star of the show, Jason <laughs> Mackey! The sample size is large enough to me to, to say that this guy, he goes looking for the stuff, he goes looking for it illegally, he does it, but you know what, Adam, to his credit, the NHL isn't stepping up and doing anything, so if they're not going to put cops on the road or, or police what you're doing, wouldn't you speed too? I Second star. Tonight's second star of the show, Will Graves. I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for LeBron and the effort that he, you know, the effort that he puts forth on a nightly basis. He never, ever mails it in. I mean, he might mail it in a couple times during the regular season, but not this year. He played, what, 82 for, what, the second time in his career? I mean, I just have a, have a lot of respect. I mean, I, I would certainly open the door for is he a better all-around basketball player than Jordan. First star. And tonight's first star of the show, Adam yeah. Crowley! I once had a dream that I got to first base with Lars Eller, but then he couldn't finish the job. Ryan Reeves doesn't get to second base very often. But when he does, he always finishes the job. Anthony Rizzo always goes to third base. With his legs in the air, baby. Tom Wilson believes going for home can only happen from behind. That was a good first star, man. Yeah, I'll take that one. Yeah, I'm happy about that one. <laughs> Here's what I'm not happy about. Seeing some more quotes from Joe Madden here. He's blaming Elias Diaz for all this. He's blaming the Pirates catcher. What? Quote, it's about technique. It's about having a clock in your head. It's about eyes in the back of your head. If you can't do that, then don't catch. Don't play the position. He said if Diaz makes a good throw and doesn't fall down, we aren't talking about this. Hey, you son of a bitch! If he doesn't get taken out, he's not going to fall down, and he's going to make a good throw! He says, quote, the catcher has an option to get rid of the ball more quickly, get further out in front of home plate, or just hold on to it. He could have done those three things also, end quote. Oh, you just made the list, Joe Madden. You just made the list, you dirty son of a bitch. Oh, I want to punch him in the head. That is the douchiest thing that a manager has said all year and probably for the next five years. How can he be doubling down on this? It's the old baseball man. That's what it is. He's the old school baseball guy. We used to do it this way. No point in changing the ways. The reason that we make changes is because we have information that tells us that we should. He could have broken his legs. He could have busted out his knee. Elias Diaz, if he blows a knee out, is he ever going to play again? You just don't know. Probably, but you don't know. Why not protect the player? Why not? Why not go out of your way to make sure that things like that don't happen anymore? And that's what the league's saying. They're going to go out of their way to make sure that Anthony Rizzo doesn't go out of his. 
so that Anthony Rizzo stays within the baseline so that Anthony Rizzo doesn't stick his legs out. You know how else this could have gotten avoided? If Anthony Rizzo followed the damn rules. It's a rule. He should know the rules. And it's not baseball's fault that he doesn't know the rules. It's his manager's fault. Will Graves was on earlier and he said, ah, the league's been a little gray here with this. And they have. But you also know the rules. And guess what, Joe Madden? Guess what, pal? If you had taught the game properly, this wouldn't happen. He's the guy who says there's nothing wrong with it. The league disagrees. So now he's going to double down on it? Of course he is, because that's the way he's managing. That's the way he's coaching. He's telling these guys to be dirty as bleep baseball players. This is all Joe Madden's fault. Anthony Rizzo's playing the game within the rules that he's been taught by his superior. It ain't Dyes' fault. Who let the dogs out? Oh, my steamed up. Here's what we'll be talking about tomorrow. Whether or not they plunk Rizzo in the back. The more that Joe Madden talks, the more that I would personally like to throw a baseball at every one of his players. Aside from Ian Happ, go Lebo. Blue Devils, what up? Hell, we saw that coach get hit in the face the other night in the dugout with a foul ball. Let's find a way to make that happen tonight. Those aren't protective goggles that Joe Madden's wearing. Son of a bitch. Coming up next, Tom and Tom Golf Show. We'll talk to you tomorrow, bitches. Peace out.